0: Because all of me loves all of you. Love your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. Give your all to me. I give my all to you. You're my end and my beginning. Even when I lose, I'm winning. Because I give you all of me. And you give me all of you. What would make you give your life to someone? To commit to them, to depend on them, to sing to them, I give my all to you. I guess the answer has always been love, love. But love is a fickle friend. We fall into it and out of it again. On Love Island, they couple and decouple and recouple as more attractive lovers are thrown into the mix. What would make you commit in love? We're coming to the end of the world's greatest love song because it is God's love song, the song of songs, King Solomon's number one hit from 980 BC to God's people Israel. It had them rocking in the aisles when it was read at... Harry and Meghan's wedding, 2018 A.D., Song of Songs. That was the reading. And it's a love story between a boy and a girl, a king and a country lass, a lover and her beloved. And because God is love, it points us to the greatest love story of all, the love that God has for his people, a fickle people that the Bible calls the church. That's you and me. Are people who fall out of love with him as quickly as they fall in. The Bible calls that sin. That that desire from within us to love ourselves and not him. I can say to you this morning without a shadow of doubt that all of my love is tainted by self-love. All of my love is tainted by self-love. Even in my best moments, I do things for others because of the way I want them to make me feel. And a lot of the time, I guess maybe like me, you'd sing with Foreigner, I want to know what love is. Don't you feel that? What is love? I want to feel what love is. I know what anger is I know what sadness is I know what it is to Be held and be touched But what is it to be loved? Is it just that brief moment Of physical attraction for someone? Is it Sexual pleasure? What is it to be loved? And the history of the Bible The history of humanity Is the history of uh, patient, faithful, consistent love of God who passionately, with a determination, keeps loving a people who reject and ignore him, who is going to bring people back into loving relationship with himself literally through hell. And not high water, but a bloody death. And today, I I just hope as we finish, you'll see why this is a a love worth basing your life on whether you're single whether you're married whether you'd call yourself a christian or not it's a love worth leaning into depending on why it's worth saying to god i give you all of me because you have given me all of you because in the end that's what a christian is Someone who sees that God in the Lord Jesus Christ has given of himself to them all that he could give them. And therefore wants to give him all of themselves. So come, look with me at the the last verse of the greatest love song ever. And as before, the rhythm of the the poetry, I'm going to try and maintain it in the way I speak. Here comes our girl now in verse 5 of chapter 8 the crowd looks out who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved back in chapter three verse six she came to her wedding day but she was not with her beloved then but now she comes leaning on the man whom she lent on as they walked out of the church arm in arm down the aisle leaning into him safe secure, loved. And she remembers where it all started in verse 5. Under the apple tree I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There who was in, she who was in labor gave birth to you. Oh, it's the time they started going out. The day they, she came into his family. The occasion she met his mum when he took her home. It's a testimony of her love begun. But it's not the past she dwells on. It's the future she yearns for. And in verses 6 to 7, she explodes in in explaining the characteristics of his love for her. Eight things to make a love worth giving your life for. Here's the first one. It's a love that's personal. Verse 6. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. A seal was a, a stamp, a mark of possession, a sign of ownership. Throughout Song of Songs, the repeated refrain has been, I am his and he is mine. He is mine and I am his. And now I'm hidden in his heart. Private, personal love. But I want to be worn on your arm. Public, declared to all, I love you. Love is always personal. It's the tragedy of Tinder. Tinder. It takes the treasure of personal intimacy designed to be given to one lover for a lifetime and cheapens it night by night by night until it becomes worthless. But we can only have one love who is our first love, who is our priority. You can only have one seal on your heart, one ring on your finger, one life to bind yourself to. Don't believe the world's lie that your love can be given to many with no consequences. And that's true of a man and a woman, and it's true of the church and Jesus. Because throughout this song, we are the girl and he is our man. We've seen that the Bible, time and time again, pictures his people like God pictures his people like a bride and he is the bridegroom. And he calls us to have him as his first love, to want him above all else, to say with the apostle Paul, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. It must be an American translation. Rubbish, trash, literally a heap of sewage that I may gain Christ place me like a seal over your heart Lord like a seal on your arm why would you say that to Jesus well because secondly it's a love that's powerful again verse six for love is as strong as death you can't defeat death oh people live like you can defeat death I was talking to Alan Atwood about strollers, how they were helping an aged man over a stile, thinking maybe he won't actually make it alive back to the end. And Alan went, praise the Lord, because we've got him over the stile, and he was mocked by some people there. People in their later life. People who might not make it over the next stile. People who could soon be living in a box before they're burnt. You can't defeat death. We're all in its power. It is the ultimate statistic. You will die. One in one people do. From our birth, it is our shared destiny, our common fate. Death has you in its grasp and it will not let you go. It's why you ache in the morning and pee more in the night. It's why your mind works more slowly and your days seem to fly by faster. It's why you used to go to weddings and now you go to baby parties and soon you'll be going to funerals nothing breaks death's grip when you love it has you in its grasp like death if you love like that you will change your plans and you will rearrange your life and you will do anything to be with the one you love when love grabs you you cannot help but be dragged through life with altered priorities about the person you love But but our love is, is weak and feeble compared to the strength of God's love. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the height or depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because in the end there is one love that is stronger than death that is the passionate love of God that's the third thing it's a love that's passionate look in verse 6 again it's jealousy as unyielding as the grave not just a hole in the ground but the place of the dead Sheol which no one escapes this jealousy isn't the jealousy of a, a possessive lover who doesn't trust you who wants to control you who simply wants you for himself this is the jealousy of a passionate lover who set his heart on you, who has his eyes only for you, who is determined to love you. This is the jealousy of will you love her, comfort her, honor and protect her, and forsaking all others. Be faithful to her as long as you both shall live. I will. This is the jealousy of, till death us do part. And divine love is passionate like this. The, the end of verse 6, it burns like a blazing flame, a fire like a mighty flame. If you've got your specs, you'll see there's a, a bee there, there's a footnote, literally it could be like the flame of the Lord. You, you can contain a fire on Saddleworth Moor. You can't contain the passionate love of God it's powerful to conquer even the coldest heart see this is the love that God sets on his people before the creation of the world this is the love that burns with an intensity to order history to send his son his one and only son to live a perfect life of love the life we should live the life we long to live that he could give it up in his death The death that we should die. The death we deserve to die. So that we can sit here today and sing and say, I know I am loved with an everlasting love. Because God is passionately for me. And it's a love that will never let us go. Here's the fourth characteristic, it's a love that's permanent. Do you see that at the beginning of verse 7? Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep sweep it away. You might say, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, babe. Well, that's what Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell said in 1967. (laughs) Nothing will ever quench this love. Oh, human love can be dampened by lack of attention. Human love can be dampened by lack of communication. Human love can be dampened by lack of of intimacy. Sadly, human love can even be quenched and lost. But God's love is permanent. Floods can sweep away cities, but they cannot dampen God's love. Storms can destroy livelihoods, but they cannot flatten God's love. So that he, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Nothing can put out the flame of God's love for us, because we did nothing to ignite it. Out of his passionate love, he gave to us in creation out of his passionate love he has given to us in salvation and so his passionate love is set on us permanently so that our weak and feeble faith is sustained not by our efforts but by the warmth of his love by the fire in the heart of God for you and for me it is the only reason that you bother to get up and come this morning he broke his own heart at the cross as the father watched his son die, as the son cried in bitter isolation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the spirit placed all of our sin in the body of Jesus so that we might never experience the father's face turned away. Whatever you have done this week as a follower of Jesus Christ, you will never experience the father's face turned away. So that you will never know a day when you are not a child of God. Whatever your experience of life in family, however wretched and messed up it is, you will never know a day when you're not a child of God. So you will never lose the presence of the loving spirit of God in your heart. However alone you feel, however unloved you feel, you are not because he is always there with you. Let me cheapen God's love with a little song from the 1980s. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting time after time. That's what God says. My love is permanent. There, ready. No wonder this is, fifthly, a love that's precious, most precious. Look at the end of verse 7. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. To, To try and buy this love would be like walking into the Ferrari dealer in Knightsbridge, just down the road from Harrods, taking out a fiver from your wallet and saying, I'll have that new 358, please. They'll laugh you out of the shop. If you gave up all that you had to buy this love, you would be mocked. For it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that we were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Jesus. what can you give for the unique life of Jesus? What have you you got to offer? What what can you and I bargain with? You You see, if we think there's anything about us, anything that is worthy of his love, then actually we haven't understood the nature of our own hearts. We haven't understood the depth of our rebellion. And the irony is that if I look within to feel loved, I will only ever see my sin and feel unlovely. But if I look to him to feel loved, I will only ever see what he has given for me. It's not just you, you can't buy this love, it's that you don't have to. It's not that you can't earn this love, it's Jesus has paid for you. That's why this love is so precious. It's God's undeserved love, lavished on you. The Bible calls that grace. It's a love given that we might have peace. That, that the ache of life might be healed. That, that that satisfaction that is constantly beyond our grasp might be filled. That the happiness that actually history is a quest by humanity to try and find might be found. That the wholeness that we yearn for might be experienced. The, 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 the reasons that we, we go to the gym, we stand in front of the mirror... We buy some new clothes. We portray ourselves as we do on Instagram. That we're worried about at school and who likes us and who doesn't. We're worried about in our street who likes us and who doesn't. That we make and break and make families again. That, that striving for love might be fulfilled because lastly, this is the love that is peace. That, that's what this rather strange interaction, I think, is between friends and this woman in verses 8 to 10 is about they're probably not her friends they're probably her possessive brothers we we met them back in chapter one they were making her work in the vineyard and like possessive brothers older brothers they've got a, a comment or two to make about their little sister's new relationship verse 8 we have a little sister and her breasts are not yet grown what should we do for our sister on the day she is spoken for you're only a child. You're not ready for love. No, no. You say that you're chaste. We're going to reinforce the walls of your chastity with towers. We're going to nail shut the door of your desire with cedar boarding. It's a danger, isn't it? you got to be like me yet? Police officers looking a bit young? Politicians? sure they're old enough to be in charge children too young to get married but this girl is all grown up so she says in verse 10 i've kept myself pure but now i'm a woman and with me there is contentment or literally she says wholeness or shalom peace At the end of verse 10, like one bringing shalom, peace. Now what does shalom mean? It's a Hebrew word and it's all about the fact we were made for relationship. Not ultimately relationship between a boy and a girl, not even the relationship of marriage, but a relationship with God through his son. And the love of that relationship perfected is the experience of shalom. It's that contentment we crave. But the Bible constantly describes it as what we won't feel because actually we have never really tasted enough of it to know what we will feel. So it says it's not sadness and it won't be thirsty and you won't be hungry and you won't mourn and you won't be lonely and you won't be sorrowful. Shalom brings us ultimate joy. But more incredibly, Shalom brings joy to God as well because this girl is bringing joy to her lover. Her lover. Listen to what the prophet Zephaniah says about the Lord's attitude to his people when he's united with them. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. It's not that God's ever been discontent, but he loves to save his people. He takes you with all your failures and all your pain and all your hurt and all your sinful rebellion and he makes you through the death of his son beautiful and righteous and then he brings you to himself and transforms you so that is how actually you are and then he delights over you. He sings about you. So let me ask you, Is this a love you know? This personal love between you and God. This powerful love that will not let you go. Because it's a passionate love that is jealous for you and gives of its best for you, its son for you. This permanent love that stretches through the ages this precious love that you cannot buy this peace-giving love that brings you wholeness is this the love you have given yourself to because that's how we should respond with a love like this to give yourself to it you see love can't be bought that's that's what so many people maybe it's what you're trying to do maybe you're trying to buy love Maybe if you're think you thinking, if only I can look like this, he will love me. If only I can be like this, she will love me. I was saddened this week as I chatted to uh, one of our younger members who told me how at work they thought it odd that they didn't sleep around with all their colleagues like everyone else did and then just discuss it in the staff room. That's the love of verse 11. Do you see verse 11? Solomon had a vineyard in Baal-hamon. He set out his vineyard, let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. Well, in Song of Songs, a vineyard is a body. In chapter one, the vineyard was the girl's body. And as Solomon writes this poem, he acknowledges he's got no shortage of bodies that he owns. Oh, Solomon had something like, was it? A 1,000 wives and 700 concubines or 700 wives and a 1,000 concubines. I expect he lost count too. And Baal Hamon literally is lord of a crowd. That's Solomon. He's lord of a crowd of bodies. He may command a royal brothel but he can't buy real love. It's tragic when people sell their bodies. This young Christian told me that a a girl, a colleague, had told her that she aimed to sleep with, 25, with 100 men by the time she was 25. She just had a birthday. She fell five short. And that's normal. That's middle class life today. And it's tragic. Bikini clad on Love Island. Happy to be objectified. Objectified celebrating that millions of men anonymously ogle at them secretly and a group of men get to ogle at them publicly. Blokes who think that what will win a girl is their body. So when the latest hunk, hairless and honed in the gym, walks in, the faces of the others display fear and defeat is in their eyes that he will rob them of their love or of their chance to win 50 grand. The cost of love, gym membership, plus hair removal, plus hairdresser, plus tanning studio, plus tattoo parlor, plus fashion label. But love can't be bought. It has to be given. That's what the girl says in verse 12. But my own vineyard is mine to give. A thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, that's what I owe you, and two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. No, my body is mine to give, and to you, my king, I will pay all that I owe, and even more. See, true love doesn't count the cost, but gives beyond what is due. It's not a question of splitting the bills, of halving the housekeeping, of sharing the mortgage. It's about giving yourself to someone else because you love them. Marriage is not a bargain. It's not a deal. It's two people independently giving themselves of themselves to another because they love them. If your marriage is a deal with tit for tat, with he does this so she does that, or she does this so he does that, that is not love. That is a contract. See, that's what Fred's baptism pictures, is what what Christ has done for us and how we respond to him. Peter pointed it out, didn't he? It's not a, a quick cleansing from Jesus, then, Fred, off you go to South Africa and enjoy life for yourself again. No, it's that Fred has died with Christ, and he's risen to a new life that's no longer his life, but Christ's life. And to be a Christian is to give your first love to Jesus. So brothers and sisters, let me ask you today, have you, are you, will you give your love to Jesus? Because if you're not, it's probably because you're not reflecting on how much he loves you. The, the daily... You're not picking up his word and thinking, how loved am I? And if you're not yet a Christian, today is a great day to give your love to Jesus. Because he is the perfect lover of your soul. And he calls you to himself. It's not too late to come to him. It's never too late to come to him. I'd love to talk to you afterwards. I'll be sitting through there in what's called the Art and Lounge. I'd love to chat to you about how much God loves you you see our song ends with this this is a love to give yourself to but it's also a love to crave look at verse 13 he says you who dwell in the gardens with friends in attendance let me hear your voice you're there and and the crowd is around you but I want to hear you speak to me I want to be in your presence I want to know your love intimately do you know what Jesus said to his disciples the night before he died he said this my father's house has many rooms if it were not so i would have told you i'm going there to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where i am the lord jesus says look in my father's house the place where the bridegroom takes the bride on their wedding night the place to experience love that's where i'm going to die so you can come and be with me It's not that he wants you to walk around at a distance from him knowing you're forgiven. He wants to experience intimate, personal, face-to-face relationship with you. And that's what you'll do in all eternity. It's what the girl longs for. Verse 14. Come away, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. It's an invitation to intimacy. It's a mutual desire to delight in one another. It's a yearning to be in his arms, enjoying his presence forever. And that should be the heartbeat of the church. To be with Christ. Because we know his love. Because we love him. To want to be with Jesus. So will you pray with me that our hearts as a church might so taste the personal, powerful, passionate, permanent, peace-giving love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we will give ourselves wholly to him. That we will crave his presence. And that we might maybe daily end as the Bible ends. Saying this, the Lord Jesus in verse 20 of Revelation 22 says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Let me hear your voice. I want to be with you. I'm going to take you to my father's house. I have died to make that a reality in your life. And how do we reply? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let me be with you forever. I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. I'm not just using that as an expression. I mean that. I want to know what love is. And on that day, I will. I will. Let's pray together. We're just going to keep silence for you to do business with God, and then the band's going to come up and lead us in a great hymn of love.